Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous. When God spoke well of his offering, and by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about this, things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark and saved his family. By faith, he commended the world, he commanded the world and became heir of righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham was called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him on the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Well, good morning, and I want to start off this morning with a story, and it's an old story, so some of you may have heard this story or versions of it, and it's about a stuntman that was performing over Niagara Falls, uh, and he had rigged up a wire that crossed from one side to the other, and, and Niagara Falls has uh, is a wide waterfall, a lot of water roaring over the edge, and he, he basically then was riding a bicycle across this wire. And he'd back and forth, he went several times. And to make it more exciting, he said to the crowd, he asked them if they would believe he could, could make it across carrying certain items. And first he held a suitcase and then an umbrella. And, and do you believe I can make it carrying, going across these falls carrying these items? And yes, we believe they all roared as they, um, as they watched him go back and forth in these different ways. Sure enough, he got back and, and with no trouble at all. And next he picked up a violin and a bow. He goes, do you believe I can ride across while playing, while fiddling um, on my violin? And again they roared, yes, we believe and, and we believe you can do it. And, and they watched him go across as, as they, they, they could hear the music from the violin sort of streaming out over the thundering water of the Niagara Falls. Came back and he asked this one final question. He says, do you believe I can put somebody in this chair and balance them on my bike and ride across the fall? By this point in time, the crowd is all into it. Yes, yes, we believe you can do this. They stomped and they shouted, yes, go for it. All right, if you believe, the stuntman said, I now need one believer to step forward and sit in the chair. How many people do you think step forward? 
which just means there's often a tremendous gap between what we say we believe and what we really believe. A disconnect between our ideas and our commitment. And today we're going to be talking about a crisis of belief. And as we've been talking about experiencing God over the past month, we often see that God brings us to the point where he shows us himself. He draws us into relationship. He calls us to be a part of something he's doing, which leads us to a point of what we are going to do with it. And the passage that we go through to to get to the action is a passage of faith. And faith becomes one of these things where we need to be clear on about what we believe. And so we're going to be talking about having this crisis of belief and what it leads to as a, in our journey of experiencing God. Well, crisis of belief is, is firstly, it's a turning point, a place where we actually change direction to where we are going maybe previously. It may not be a major um, place that we're at in the sense of it might just be everyday life and then God is calling us to something dramatically different. It may be a slight alteration. It might be a total U-turn, but it is a turning point in our faith. It might address our work. It might address an attitude. It might address a habit that we've got in our life. It may address something new that God is wanting us to do, but it is a turning point where we need to make a decision. You must decide what you really believe about God. And how you respond at this turning point will determine whether you go on to be involved with God, something is God, something God size that God is doing, or whether you slip back into just living your life your way and sort of ignoring what God wants for you. See, this is not a one-time experience where you check the box, yes, I've done that, I've had my crisis of belief and then I've moved on. It becomes a daily experience. For some of you who are listening today, some of you have had a crisis of belief this year. Maybe in the past month, even this past week, you've had something where you've had to choose to follow God or to go your own way. And what you believe about God determines which one you do. You can't rely on the faith of yesterday or last year or many years ago. I remember for myself, there were things when I was younger that I was greatly passionate about. Um, and, and I'm going, I can't rely on the passion of those times to guide me now. I can't rely on the faith that I had then to guide me now. It's my faith in the present that becomes so important. And what we need to realize is that how we live our life is a testimony of what we believe about God. How we live out our life testifies what we truly believe about God. If you can't trust God to look after your family, that's what you believe about God. If you can't trust God to provide, then that's what you believe about God. If you can't trust that God is leading you to something new, well, that's what you believe about God. Our actions will really dictate what we truly believe on the inside. A couple of examples of people that came to a crisis of belief. Um, We've talked about Moses and after Moses followed Joshua and as he came into the promised land, the first city that he needed to conquer was Jericho. Now, I'm not sure how familiar you are with warfare, but Jericho was a walled city and often walled cities would have great defences and that's part of the reason that people would live inside the wall, they would have food to survive and you would have to have a great army to basically surround the city and then basically wait them out. It was a siege kind of mentality. And so that was that's man's sort of idea of warfare when it comes to a walled city. However, God had a totally different plan. 
He said, I've got a God-sized idea, a God-sized action I want you to take, Joshua. I want you to take all the men fully armed and I want you to walk around the city once a day for six days. Joshua's, yep, he's going, yep. And then all of a sudden, on the seventh day, I want you to walk around it seven days, seven times. And on the seventh time, I want you to yell and cheer and blow your trumpets. And at that, the walls will come crashing down. Now, if I was Joshua, I, I don't know whether he was a straight away, yes, God, I'm going to do that, or whether a thought passed through his head. But when we look at it, we kind of go, uh, God, are you sure that's the way you want to go? Because that's not normally how we conquer cities. That's not normally how we fight battles. And God was saying to Joshua, I want you to do something that is going to point people to who I am. It's going to be a testimony to the people of Israel. It's going to be a testimony to the people of, of, of Canaan. And it's going to show who God is. And so Joshua came to a crisis belief, of belief where he had to say yes to God or go his own way and try to win the battle in his own strength. And of course, he said yes. Gideon again was a man who again was facing an overwhelming army um, and the Midianites had been attacking his people over and over again. They were living basically as an a, um, enslaved people. They would be paying uh, extra taxes to the Midianites. They were worried of raiders coming through all the time. And in fact, when Gideon was found, he was hiding. He was hiding away because of fear. Anyway, eventually, as God proved himself to Gideon, he called Gideon to gather up an army. And the, basically, what you, when you are opposing an army, you want a, as big an army on your side as possible to help defeat and run off the other army. That's how it normally works. And Gideon actually gathered 32,000 men. That's a sizable army when it comes to a battle. All of a sudden, Gideon's looking around and he could even say, oh, God brought all these men here and now we'll go do our part. Except God had a different plan. He said, Gideon, you've got too many people. You've got too big an army. What a problem to have. You've got too many here, Gideon. How about we get rid of some? And Gideon's probably looking around going, yeah, okay, we can get rid of a few. How about we get rid of that extra 200 and we'll drop it down to a flat 30,000? God said, no, how about this? And he devised a plan that people would go up and get a drink and anyone that would kneel down, and cup the water to their mouth would stay. Anyone that would lie down and lick the water uh, straight into their mouth, they would go. I'm, I bet you Gideon was hoping that, that more people would kneel down than lie down. In fact, it was the opposite way. And in the end, Gideon was left with 300 men. 300 men to face this overwhelming enemy that had been attacking them and enslaving them for years. Again, God was causing, call, calling Gideon to a crisis of belief where you could choose to act in this way or you can choose to act in your way. But when he chose to act in God's way, all of a sudden his faith was strengthened, but the people of Israel's faith was strengthened as they saw God move in a mighty way as an army of 300 routed this enemy. See, when God tells me what he wants to do through me, I will always face a crisis of belief where I will be called to go, God, I, I need to believe this and act or I'm going to choose my own way and I'm going to ignore it. And see, the thing is, when God speaks, my response requires faith. My response requires faith. If I want to respond to God, it's going to come back down to what I truly believe. And see, faith... Um, 
Uh, Hebrews 11, 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. Faith is the confidence that God has promised, uh, what God has promised or said will come to pass. That's what faith is. It's saying, I trust in God that he's going to deliver on this promise. I believe he's going to follow through. I believe that he's got the power to be able to do it. And see, too often we, we, want, we want more assurance. And so at the end of that verse in, in Hebrews 11, 1 says, an assurance about the things that we do not see. That's a struggle for us. That is a real struggle for us because we want, we want the assurance of sight. We want to know that it's there. Like um, we, we want to see it, the money's in the bank or the food is on the table or, or everything is, is where it should be before we sort of, yes, now I'll step in. God, you want me to walk on water? Well, how about you move it so it's all dry land? We, we want to see an assurance of moving forward. But what we need to realize that sight is the opposite to faith. Sight is the opposite to faith because sight is relying on what we can see. Faith is about trusting in what God will do. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we live by faith and not by sight. By faith, not, not like God, bring all these things into my life. And, and I, think, I think too often, especially here in the West, we are able to sit back and we are able to rely on our strength and our abilities and our routines and the money in our bank and the work that we go to to manage our life. And sometimes we trust in that, even if it's... Um, we're unaware that we're trusting that above and beyond what God is calling us to. And so when God calls us out of some of those things, all of a sudden we go, well, God, no, 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 this is my security blanket. This is my foundation. And God is calling out to us saying, no, I am your foundation. I am your refuge. I am your strong rock. Build your life upon me. And so if I call you to move out somewhere where there is nothing there for you, hey, it's okay, you've got me. God is wanting us to trust in him. Faith is believing that, that the God who has called us to the assignments was the one who would provide for their accomplishment. See, our faith is not in a, um, an idea or a concept. It is in a person. So it's not just about um, wishful thinking or being positive. These things will eventually fail. Like sometimes you see people repeating those little mantras that we have that are, are positive statements and um, uh, basically getting to the point where um, I'll just think it and so it will happen. Like almost that field of dreams kind of concept. If you build it, he will come. And so we get this, oh, if I just do this, God will show up. But if God has said he's not going to show up or if God has said he's working somewhere else, well, we need to go where he is. It's not about I'm just going to think positively. Our faith is in Jesus, and it's about following where he calls us to go. What I believe about Jesus will determine what I do. What you believe about Jesus will determine what you do. Because if Jesus calls you to do something and you don't trust him, you won't obey. Isaiah 7, 9a says, If you do not stand firm in faith, you will not stand at all. And I think that becomes a challenge for us because sometimes we go, well, God, I want to stand on you, your, your foundation. I want to stand on my foundation and I want to sort of rely on my own strength and your strength. But if we do not stand firm in faith, there are going to be times that come where our, our, the little faith that we have will be shattered. Because what we need to realize is that as we respond to God in faith, that the encounters that God wants to call us to, our encounters with God are always God-sized. 
Too often we want God in a box, a God we can manage, a God we can pack away until it's convenient to us. And in so doing, we want our encounters with God to be bite-sized. Oh, that Sunday was nice, and oh, that feel really good about that. Thanks, God. And we go on to our week. We, we, we come back the next week or our next experience with God and go, oh, that was nice, and we can package it up and, 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 and have the warm fuzzies, and then we, we move on again. But we need God-sized encounters, and more importantly, the world needs to see God-sized encounters. You see, when God's people and the world see something only God can do, they come to know God. They come to know him. And I suppose that was a question that hit me during the week, was that how will people come to know God? Maybe better sermons will help people come to know God. Maybe um, shorter sermons will help people come to know God. Better music or better performances, bigger buildings, more comfortable seats. Heating or air conditioning will help people come to know God. Like you, You don't think that those would be on the list, but we seem to think that way. Maybe we need to come up with more convincing presentations of the gospel. Maybe I need to learn a way of of coming up. More knowledge will help me um, lead more people to Christ. But this is the truth. People will come to know God because he is at work. Work in us, work around us, work in our church, work in our community, work in our families, work. God is working in our workplace. When people see God at work, they will come to know him. And too often our world is not attracted to the God that we serve because they cannot see him at work. Because we are living good lives managed by our own abilities and our own levels of of effort and we are not living in a way where we are encountering God in in God-sized packages. When we do things only in our effort or ability uh, level, People will only see what we are doing. And again, it may not be a bad thing. Oh, you're doing nice things as a church. You're doing nice things in your workplace. You're doing nice things in your family. But the things that you are doing, God is wanting to give us assignments that only he can do. He's not setting us up to fail, but he wants us and the world to see his power. So a question before we move on from this section. What are you doing in your life that only God can achieve? What are you doing in your life that only God can achieve? What is God calling you to that only he can do in your life? Big question. Now this one becomes for all of us, even me. What is our church attempting that will only happen if God brings it about? What is God wanting to do in our church that only he can do? And are we following him in that? People need to see the difference the living Christ makes in your life in your family, in our church, and it's, it will make a difference to how they respond to the gospel. Because what we need to realise is that what you do shows what you believe. What you do shows what you believe. What you, what you believe about God will determine what you do and how you live regardless of what you say you believe. See, sometimes we say we believe, like you may be asked a question, who believes this? And you put up your hand and, and you, you, you look like everyone agrees. Oh, everyone believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus came to save the whole world. Yes, I believe that. But then what we, well, what we actually do may show something different. Again, this is not about increasing our, our positive thinking. I believe it. I think it will happen. It is about intentionally believing in the person of Jesus Christ. 
It is taking things that are central to who God is and trusting in them. Some of those we've covered. The fact that God is loving. God is loving. God wants his best for you. God is able. He has the power and the ability to, to achieve what he asks you to do in his strength. And God has a plan. He knows what is best for you to move ahead with. So those three things, if we truly believe in them, we actually want to sort of walk into obedience with him. But this is the thing. The level at which I believe or we believe these things determines the level at which it impacts my life and its actions. If I believe God is a little bit loving, maybe he won't care about me so much so I don't trust if I believe that God isn't able all the time, oh, some of the time, or maybe even most of the time, but not all the time, then he won't be able to help when I need it. If I believe God's plans may fail some of the time, it makes it hard to say yes to him when it's something big. And so what we need to realize, the level at which we believe will determine our actions. The story of David is a, is a great a story of, 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 of faith sort of being lived out in reality. Um, just a bit of background on David. David was the shepherd who um, was anointed to be king. And one day uh, we look at this in, um, in, in chapter um, 17 that Samuel um, or David is basically coming to battle to face uh, the, the, the Philistine army, or he's coming to bring food to his brothers, and in so doing, he sees the Philistine army. And actually in verses, um, in, in 1 Samuel 17, 26, um, B, he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? He didn't say, who is this Philistine that's disrespecting the king and all this army here? Who is this Philistine who thinks he's a better warrior than all of us? Who is this Philistine that, oh, I second, he's really big. Maybe he has a point. No, David was upset because he was coming out and he was insulting the living God, the real God, the God who was alive, the God who was around him, the God who was real to him. We then move on uh, into verse 37. And the Lord, he says this to the, the king, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. In all these conversations, all of a sudden David is putting his hand up saying, I will go get this guy. Not in my strength, but in God's strength. And so before the king, he testifies that God has already saved me. God has done it before and God will do it again. My faith, my belief determines what I will do. Then we jump down to verse 45. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with the sword and spear and javelin. Again, straight away, when you hear that, you come against me with sword, spear, and javelin. And they were big swords, spears, and javelins that were held by a giant. That would be intimidating. That sentence in itself would be intimidating, especially as he's saying it to the guy holding them. But, this is what he says, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. David says, I'm not here because you have upset me. I'm here because you have defied God. And God is going to defeat you today. God is going to use me, but God is going to win this battle. The weapons that you have brought, Goliath, are not big enough. And then we look at verse 47. 
again, and this is a perfect testament of, of David is, is, is trying to show not only to Goliath, but all the Philistines, but also all the Israelites. All those gathered here will know that this is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. He was saying that God is winning this today. And by his actions, David revealed what he truly believed about God. He did not go down to that valley hoping that he might get a lucky shot in. He did not go down there saying, well, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll get a good one right between his eyes. If not, I can run pretty fast and then I'll get away again. David went down there to follow what God had called him to do, to see God's victory in that place. David was certain about who won that battle. It was God. And what you do in response to God's revelation to you, when God speaks to you, God reveals himself, you encounter God. When God's, um, what you do in response to God's revelation reveals what you truly believe. It does. They can't hide that idea. So it comes to this truth, that true faith requires action. Truth faith requires action. And we see this really clearly in James 2.26. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Faith without action is dead. If you, if you do not have a faith that is, 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 is causing some kind of um, action or movement in your life, then your faith is, maybe it's on life support. Maybe faith without any really kind of action is not really faith at all. See, when we think about our attendance at church, and it's different at the moment, but our attendance at church is not to win a Bible quiz, to have our emotional needs met from, for the week and, and, and I'll get a top up for next week. We come to church and we are part of the church to seek out God um, and more to be found by him and in so doing have relationship and to join him in his work. That's why we are part of the church. Church is not about me or you. It is about being a part of where God is moving. We see this really clearly in Hebrews 11, which was read um, uh, for us earlier. And, and it's just a list of people that acted in their faith. First of all, we see Abel, who was able to offer a, an acceptable sacrifice to God. He did that in faith, not, not his own ability. He didn't go around and go, look at what I've done. Boy, is God going to be impressed with me. He responded to God in his belief. Enoch walk faithfully with God and he was no more. I, lo I love that verse because he basically was someone who said, you know what, the most important thing for me is to be walking in relationship with God. It doesn't say too much about what Enoch did, but you imagine someone who walked faithfully with God was someone who was obedient to what God is calling him to do. But even that simple testimony, he was someone who walked faithfully with God. And if God was at work, so was Enoch. Noah, he built an ark and saved his family and in so doing saved humankind. Abraham left his home in obedience and lived in a foreign land. We see Moses was able to overcome various challenges because his belief basically determined his action. Because genuine faith is demonstrated by action. Genuine faith is demonstrated by action. See, this is a, this is a true statement. Success does not prove faith. 
in the same way that apparent failure does not indicate a lack of faith. There are people that succeeded in the Bible who were not faithful, and there are people that failed who were following God exactly the way they were meant to. So don't use that as an indicator. A faithful servant is the one that does what his master tells him, whatever the outcome may be. So today as we talk about faith and and coming to that crisis of belief that leads you to say yes to God and leads you into an intentional step of faith in action or to go your own way, I want to ask you a couple of questions. How is your faith? Is it present? Is it awake? Is it alive in your life? Is it growing? And more than important, are you taking opportunities to let it grow? When God sort of whispers to you and say, please take this step and say yes to me, are we going, okay, God, I'm going to, I'm going to step out in faith with this. I'm going to walk in that direction. When the big opportunities come for us, um, both individually as a church, are we willing to step out exactly where God calls us to be, whether that's into the middle of a, 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 the Red Sea or whether it's out onto a stormy um, a lake, wherever God calls us, are we willing to say yes to him and respond with that action? Or are we wanting to go where we are in control, where we have the resources, where we can do that? And I suppose that's a question I, I want us to just leave us with today because um, I just want to and leave you with this verse, Hebrews uh, 11, 6. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. And it is impossible to please God without faith. If we want to honour God, if we want to worship God, if we want to follow God, if we want to be obedient to God, it requires us to move with faith. It requires us to understand God and who he is and what he says and believe in those things and to let God prove himself over and over again to us. The thing is, I love this phrase, it's the title of a book by John Ortberg, if you want to walk on water, you need to get out of the boat. And that's really the story of what we're looking at today, that if you want to, to, to move through this crisis of belief, you need to step out in faith and to move in the direction that God is calling you. It might be something to do that's really small in your life that you've got to give over to God. God, God I've got to trust you with these bills. I've got to trust you with this next week or this next month in my life. I don't know how I'm going to get through it. It might be something bigger. God, I, I know you want me to do something in an in, in, in area of ministry around the church or in my neighborhood, and I'm just I'm, I'm holding back. And God says, I want you to, to let go. I want you to trust in me with that. It might be trying something brand new. It might be picking up something that you used to do. It might be trusting God in your circumstance saying, do you know what, God, this is a really tough place to be, but I know you want me to be here and I'm going to stay here. I'm going to trust in you through this and I'm going to rest in the strength. I know that you love me. I know that you can and I know that you have the best plan for me. We need to have faith like that. And so I pray this week that your faith will be growing, that your faith will be moving and that you will move through the crisis of belief daily and follow where God is calling you. I hope you have a a continued blessed um, blessed time this Sunday as you are able to gather with with those around you. Uh, We look forward to uh, catching up in the coming week.